for so many years that everyone feels like we know the story. You right. feel like you know Muhammad Ali. You've seen him be funny. You've seen him be angry. You, you've seen the uh, full spectrum of emotions that any filmmaker would try to, to capture. You've seen it all. Uh -huh. So my question was, what, what are we going to show? What are we going to put in, into a movie that will be interesting that people haven't seen already? And then after uh, meeting, meeting Ali and uh, the, the first time we met, he told me uh, I was almost pretty enough to play him. Yeah. <laughs> and your response yeah, yeah. was, and your response was. My response was, man, I'm almost too pretty to play you. <laughs> but um, I mean, we, we immediately, I mean, there, there was so much reverence and, and uh, so much respect. Uh, it just made me nervous to be the dude that messed up the Muhammad Ali story. Uh -huh. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, Muhammad Ali, as we've said earlier, is the most written about human, human being, the most written about human being who has ever lived. The champ is here, making a rare appearance. Please welcome the greatest Muhammad Ali. Can you tell me how do you think Will did in this movie? He scared me. <laughs> he scared you. He almost scared me. <laughs> did he get your moves right, do you think? My, my moves. <laughs> you know, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee, well, rumbling Tell the truth man. now. Tell the truth, did he? You know. He's not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> Tell me this. I know, I know that it must be because we've seen so many, you know, films about you. As we were just saying, you've been written more about than any other human being on the planet. What does this, having this film out now uh, mean to you in your life at this time in your life? It means people who don't really know much about me, it'll tell them more about who I am. Mm -hmm. They'll understand more about the legend of Muhammad Ali carries clay. And it's, it's a big honor. It makes me feel good that somebody takes time to make a movie about my life. Mm -hmm. And it makes you a humble feeling. Wow. Thank you. We'll be right back. We're not going to throw stones at Guinness. They have a criteria. That's all right. Now, who has not, not, no smarties now, who has not heard of Muhammad Ali? Seriously. Maybe some young people, maybe, maybe somebody has not. You know, Will Smith mentioned that just the impact of, the, of meeting him for the first time, face to face, what it, what it you know, meant to him. I've never met Muhammad Ali. I've heard stories. You know, I've heard stories. I've heard stories that... Um, because he wouldn't talk in public, he'd use like little magic tricks to communicate with people, kind of, kind of interact. Um, I heard that uh, he still has a sense of humor and strong as an ox. 
Even, even uh, years after this, he was quite an impression to meet him face to face. And you know, only someone who meets him face to face can understand that, can understand the kind of the impact that that mere man would have. Now, the same thing happened in the New Testament when people came face to face with the greatest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about that today. Talk about this little phrase that has always meant something to me in that it's, uh, they, they had been with Jesus, and that's what they were known for. They had been with Jesus. Now, the story kind of jumps in. I'm going to take you into this. Again, I, I, I pray about what I'm going to preach way, usually after I get done preaching, like today, I'll begin to pray, God, what do you want me to preach next? And so however long it takes Doug to finally get up enough courage to ask me <laughs> to preach again, uh, and uh, he kind of forgets what I do up here, then he'll, he'll ask me, and then I get a chance. So, um, so all that time I'm praying. I'm saying, God, you know, what do you want? It's kind of interesting how this sermon come at the heels of what he talked about for the last month and a half. Now, the story picks up. We're going to pick up here in a second in Acts chapter 4. Now, it just had the day of Pentecost, and just the power and the presence of the Lord is there, and people are getting saved. And there was a lame man at the gate who was born. The Bible indicates that he was born crippled. He was born crippled. And Peter and John come walking by, and they have a miraculous uh, instance of healing, and the man is healed and begins to leap and jump and run. And the religious, the religious Jews found out about it, and they called Peter and John in, begin to question them, like, hey, man, what's going on? And so that's where we're picking up here in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged of a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised up from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone, talking about Jesus, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. That's key. There's no other name under heaven given among men, which by we must be saved. Now, when he saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized, and I like how one translation had, had took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Now, that word, realized, took knowledge, it has the idea out of, um, it's kind of like, by, by sight, by hearing, by perceiving who a person is, by observation, they realized, hey, these fellows have been with Jesus. I mean, there have been a lot of people around there talking about Jesus, there's been a lot of talk about Jesus, and a lot of people mention his name, but see, there was something different about these fellas. See, because they, they observed while, while talking to them and, and asking questions, these guys have been with Jesus. 
Now, just that little phrase there, been with Jesus, has this idea here, a personal relationship. It has the idea of companionship and associate. As a matter of fact, some translations say that. They say that, uh, that they were companions. That's what they, they realized. They were companions of Christ. These men had spent um, a thousand plus days in the presence of Jesus, day in and day out, night, day, evening, outside sleeping, maybe staying at somebody's house, walking through the field, trying to get some grain and stuff to eat. They did that for a thousand plus days. And it showed. It showed. And so that, that, that is the key here is this, it's a personal relationship with Jesus because people can talk about the Lord and, and say stuff, but it's, it's that personal relationship that we have with him. Now, I just like um, this passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourself, Paul says. Whether you're in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you unless you're counterfeits, it says. Some, some versions have reprobate. Some versions have... Uh, versions have disqualified. But I like this word counterfeits. It's, it's actually a word used about coinage and about metals that were not pure, that were false. And so Paul says, hey, listen, you Corinthian church, talking to a bunch of Christians, supposed to be, and he believed the majority of them were. He says, man, you need to look at yourself. Three times he says, examine yourself, look at yourself. Hey, look at yourself. Now, you know why he says that? Because it's so easy for, for me to look at you and judge you. Oh, Timmy. Yeah. Yeah, I know about Timmy, right? No. Paul says, you got to judge yourself. We're, we're, so, we're so good at judging everybody else and their spiritual condition. I kind of like that story about the fella, about that fella driving his truck, came up to the stoplight, okay? Looked over there, and there's a lady. She's just texting, swiping, posting. Texting, swiping, posting. At the stoplight. Texting, swiping, posting. Man, he got so aggravated. He could not believe that somebody would, you know, driving would be, take that irresponsibility to, to not think about others and do such a thing. So he threw his beer at her. <laughs> right? Because it's easy for me to judge you. Paul says, no, you know what? You need to judge. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Prove your own self. Where's the proof? Who remembers the commercial, where's the beef? Remember that? Yeah. Where's the proof? Where's the proof, Christian? Now, I went by a guy's house the other day. His name was Gary. And uh, there was proof that he was into fixing stuff. There were all kinds of tools over on, on his other truck that wasn't broke down. And he had parts everywhere. He had grease up to, his, up to his elbows. He had a spot of dirt on his head where he'd crawl underneath the car. There was a piece of grease on his teeth right there. You know, he was just, you know, proof. 
proof he was into cars and he was into that stuff. You know, someone says they're a gamer. You know, they, they got a computer, man, that, that when they turn it on, it sounds like a hum of a jet engine, right? That thing runs so hot, they got an air conditioner built on the back of that sucker just to keep it cool, right? And, you know, and he's got games and he's got three screens around here and a seat with, with stereo speakers, you know. He's got proof. He tell you he's a gamer, he's got proof. A lady says that she's in the makeup. Yeah. I got one of I got a couple of those in my house. There's like 16 pallet patate pallets pallet pallets of every color in the rainbow plus a few colors that aren't even in the rainbow are on this sucker. And not, there's about six of each. So, you, you know, colors of green, blue, and, you know, and uh, there's like 27 brushes, all for a different reason, uh, sticking out there. And there's goo, and there's, there's slime, and there's <laughs> things, and sticks, and, and there's, there, is, there is lip liner, and there is lip gloss, and then there is lip cover, and there is, then she just sprays hairspray on it just to keep it for the day. <laughs> I, I don't understand. But you know what? There's proof. She's in the makeup, man. There's proof. <laughs> Got to take, this keeps hitting there. I'm, honey, you know, I'm, I'm, this is, it's because it keeps hitting the glass. Here. But the thing is, hey, you say you're a Christian? You got proof? Is there proof? And if they gather you and kind of look at your life, look to how you are, what you do, what you love. Would there be proof? Could they tell? Well, when they looked at these apostles, they could tell with them. Now, you know, someone would say, well, I mean, I, I don't get to be with Jesus for a thousand days. Well, but see, there's, we've got something better. Because the Bible says that there's a, there's a, there's a two-part of salvation that makes this difference. And, and that's why Paul is saying to these Christians, he's saying, um, hey, Corinthian church, I, I don't understand how you say that you have faith, but yet where, where is it in your life? Because when a person trusts Christ, it's a two-part kind of a deal. The first part is the man's part. Man's part is that submission of your will. I mean, when you submit your will... We came from a church of easy believism. And easy believism was there was magic in the words. And if we could just get you to say the words, you're saved. And it wasn't about a heart thing. It was just about say just make sure they say the words. See, it's more than just saying words. It's a submission of the will. I mean, you submit your will to God. And then God has his part where he supernaturally has Christ indwell in you. That's God's part. And that transaction, there should be a change because you're submitting and he is indwelling and it ought to be pretty shaking the world there. Now, my wife's testimony that she gives 
is that she, she was a counterfeit. She played the game. Um, she, she knew she passed out tracks. She uh, carried a Bible. She did all that stuff. But uh, she was a fake. She was a fake. I didn't know. I found out, though, a month after I got married to her, that, man, this, this lady is not what she said she was. So, proof. I want to look at the proofs that these apostles had been with Jesus. Maybe we can kind of glean from that. Help us to maybe, like Paul said, examine our own selves. Prove my, my own self. Do I have these things in my life? Okay. Thank you, brother. I'm going to remember this when you're preaching. All right, so... Oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. I got you, brother. Well, what happened is a friend named Mark Bounds preached a sermon called "The Wheat on the Wheat and the Tares. Wheat and, wheat and tares is, is a King James term um, because we know they didn't use wheat, whatever, back in that time. But um, that's the term they use. They translate it. So anyway, wheat and the tares because, see, what happens is the tare, when you look on the, on the field of grain, you can't see the tare because it's hidden. See? And that's, that's how some people are. They, they're hiding in that Christian church or hiding among Christians. But when you get up close to it and you get up there, when you get, start separating the, that grain and you find that tear, you can tell when you get up close, you can see, oh, that's wheat. That's not, that's not grain. And that, it, it convicted her. She, she knew and she realized, and that was, that was a point that it changed her. And three years after we got married, she, uh, I, I got to lead her to the Lord in our living room. And, it, and she's been a different woman. It's not perfect. But I tell you what, I can, I can see the proof. So, proofs that they've been with Jesus. All right? I want to look at these real fast. Remember, it's more than just saying. It's a relationship. Now, if we, we're going to jump back in Acts and look at what these apostles were doing to kind of see some of this proof. In Acts chapter number 2, we're going to read this and then we're going to kind of look at individual points of it. Uh, in verse 41, it says, Then those who, were gladly, who gladly received his, it's Peter's word, were baptized. And, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were gathered and all had, uh, had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all. And as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. So, you know, some of these things we can pull out and look and see um, some evident proof. The problem these religious leaders looked at the apostles or really anybody, they could see. Man, they had been with Jesus. The first is Christian fellowship there in verse 44 and 46. 
It says, now all who believed were together. So continuing in verse 46, it says, and so continuing daily with one accord. Can you imagine if we met every day? Jason, can you imagine seeing me every day? You liar. He said, no. That'd be rough, brother. Right? But that's what they did. They craved Christian fellowship. They they, they wanted to be around each other. They, They wanted to interact with each other. Okay? And it's what they desired. You know, the Bible says, he, and our kids hear this all the time, he that has friends must show himself friendly. And you say, well, I just don't really kind of have to know anybody. Well, then hang out here outside for about 15, 20 minutes. Do that for two or three Sundays. Man, someone will come up there or walk up to somebody, but you got you to try. But you know, a, a proof of a Christian, man, they, they, they like Christian fellowship. They like to be around believers. <clears throat> you know, um, talk to a guy at work. Man, I hope he's not here. <laughs> all right, I don't think he'll. <clears throat> and um, say, hey, how's it going? All right, and all this. And he said, uh, what church? I, 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 we're talking about that. And he said, oh, oh, you're a Christian. What church you go to? I go to New Life. He said, that's where I go. I said, really? He said, yeah. Oh, yeah, Doug's real good. He started dropping some names. Yeah, Doug's real good. And Jeff... And and, and and dropped another name and another name. And yeah, and, oh, I, I remember with the time we did this and that, that we did that. I'd been here five years. I never once saw him in the assembly once. I said, I don't remember. Did, would would you, you come? Oh, I haven't been for a while. <laughs> yeah, apparently so, brother, about five years or so. Not much desire for Christian fellowship. Ah, we just don't get a chance to go very often. Someone who has a relationship with Jesus, they like to be around other people who have a relationship with Jesus. Second, sacrificial actions. There in verse 44 and 45, it says, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Okay, so I, I, you know, I know people of all types of belief systems and in, in all over the world. I mean, they, they give, but, but there's something about when God talks about us giving. Uh, and th- that um, as a Christian, to, to sacrifice that, that love for one another and uh, the, the Christian mindset. How, how am I trying to put this? Well, look at this verse here in chapter, in John. We'll go to that second slide. John chapter 13. It says this, by this by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you, if you love one another. Now, again, I, as you know, I, I work in the prison. And a lot of those guys, I don't want to judge them, but they don't act like a Christian. And from their own mouth, they're not. Okay? But that doesn't surprise me. 
I'm not offended at them when they stab me in the back or they do something or they hog me is the term we use in prison. Well, they pull something over on me and trick me and get an extra to- uh, roll of toilet paper when he has 15 in his locker because he gives me some sob story, you know, and oh man, he hogged me a roll of toilet paper. But you know what? That, that doesn't really bother me because I expect that. But what hurts is when a brother or sister does something. Because to me, they should know better. That, they, if they say they have Christ in, they, they should know better than that. And that, to me, hurts. And that's why Jesus said, look, men will know that you're my disciple because you love one another. Because it's, it's harder to love a brother than it is to love a lost person. It's harder to love a sister than it is to love a lost person. Especially when they hurt you. And so he says that, you know, sacrificial actions. Third is one that really hit me is, is a heart of worship in verse 46 and 47. It says, um, for they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, it says there. Now, in John chapter number four and verse 24, it says this, God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I, I kind of said something to Doug. Now, I, I am not trying to twist anybody because this ought to be from your own heart, okay? But, you know, worship comes from within. It comes from your heart. It comes from who you are in here. It comes from an attitude. It comes from a mindset, a desire, okay? Now, I'm not saying you got to raise your hand because I didn't raise my hand for until this year. I never raised my hand in, in singing. And Doug preached a, a sermon that I came under conviction and I knew that, you know what? It's not that, I, it's not that I wasn't worshiping the Lord before. I'm not trying to say if you're not raising your hand, you're not worshiping God. I'm not saying that. Because it says that it's a spirit. It, it, those that worship God must worship in spirit. It's spiritual. But what gets me is people who don't worship at all. I, Ten years ago, I never would have stepped foot in this church. Never, because of the music that's played. Okay? Never. So, it's not saying you, you have to worship to my music that I worship here. But what do you worship to? What, what, what is played in your car? What, what is played in your, on your phone? What, what is played in your house? I mean, what do you worship him by? You know, again, hey, if it's hymns, fantastic, man. Because my father was an atheist and I wasn't allowed to, I had to hide as a Christian, I couldn't have any music. Uh, I couldn't do anything. So as a 13-year-old boy, I'd go in the living room, take out, the Christmas albums, put on the headphones and listen to Christian, Chris, Christmas, Christmas music as a kid because that's all I had. And for me, there is very, I, my, my family doesn't even know that story. That, that uh, the song, What Child Is This, man, I, that was that, moved me 
Go tell it on the mountain. That's talking about telling the gospel. Do you hear what I hear? Those Christmas hymns. And that's what I listened to in the middle of July. And my mom come by there and, what are you doing? I just, I just, I just like these songs. And I was worshiping the Lord just as much at 13 years old, listening to Christmas songs that I do today at 50. Because it's in the heart. So where's your proof of worship? You say you're a Christian? That's what Paul wants to know. That's what the Lord asks. Fourth is a positive testimony. Now, you know what? Believe it or not, you have a testimony. Whether you want to have one or not, you have a testimony. When you grace through the doors of any building or any place, when you walk into a room, you walk in with a testimony. People look at you and immediately they think of something about you. It might be good. It might be bad. But you have a testimony. For these, for these apostles here, in verse 47, it says, and, and having favor with all the people, all the people, saved, lost, religious, unreligious, all the people found favor. They, I mean, they were just able, just their spirit and the way they conducted themselves, the way they interacted with people, everybody liked the Christians. Now, I'm sure you got those people, there are exceptions, but we're talking about just in a general sense. What kind of testimony do you have? What kind of, do you have a positive testimony where you are at, where you work, where you go? And there's a guy at our, at our job, man, he is such a blessing. He is such a positive testimony. And, um, and every, I, I go to him for prayer and, and encouragement. Uh, he, he's such a blessing. And, and if I told his name, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Because everybody knows him. Everybody knows him. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. I'm like, man, I want to be like that, Lord. I want to be like him. Proof. Fifth is a spirit of service. Later on, the passage we talked about when Peter saw the man in Acts chapter number three, it says, and fixing his eyes on him, on the lame man, with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he, he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I got, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, he told him, rise up and walk. So there's this spirit of service, you know, um, doing, doing something for the Lord, man. Is, is there proof in your life that you're doing something for God? I mean, you don't to get up here and preach or up here and sing. But are you doing something? I mean, where, where is your proof of your service for the Lord? What are you doing for him? And this last one is a bold witness. In Acts chapter 4. Verse 13, it says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, that's talking about in, in the Jewish religious realm, they marveled. And they had boldness. Man, I, man, I wish I had boldness. I More boldness than what I've got. I, sometimes I, I, I fail the Lord and I, I don't speak up when I should, you know. Matter of fact, I, I had more boldness when I was a teenager in high school than I do now. And I regret that. I, I've been praying God help me to be bold for him. 
You know, I used to, I used to pray for my food in that lunchroom and sit around all my friends. I was the only one. I, I, matter of fact, I, I can honestly say I didn't know of one Christian in my school. No one ever approached me. I used to carry my Bible to school when I was a senior, and, and I never, ever had any other Christian come up to me that I know of. I'm not saying they weren't there, but I just never saw them. And my good friend, his name is Eric, in high school. After we graduated, and he was a year younger than me, and when he got out and stuff, we were talking, I'd gone to Bible school, and he told me, he said, you know what, Casey, he said, um, I'm, I've been a Christian all this time, and I used to see you read your Bible, I mean, you know, and pray for your food and read your Bible at the lunch table. He said, man, I used to be under such deep conviction. And, I, and, I, and he said, I really um, got right with God. And he became a part-time missionary and now is a pastor of a church up in Massachusetts. And man, I felt good, man. I finally did something. Man, I stood up for the Lord and had some boldness, but I don't have as much as I need to. That's, that's one of the proofs I need to work on. So, so what's our proof? What's your proof? Can you prove you're a Christian? Now, my wife doesn't know I'm about to do this. I love doing this to her. She's not a big fight sports person. Matter of fact, she doesn't like it at all. Uh, boxing, MMA, right? WWF, TRG, you name a couple, I don't know. She's she not much into that. But, see, she met Muhammad Ali in the airport. And the stories I told you about come from her. Now, you know what? That one encounter with that man made an impression on her. That brief face-to-face. She says she'll never forget it. Now, if a mere man can do that, how much more should the Lord of glory, the Son of Man, the Son of God, make an impact in our lives when we meet Him face-to-face? Why isn't there more proof in our life that Jesus is in there? Amen. God help us. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Again, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, thank you that you've been so patient and graceful with me through my life. Uh, Lord, pray just help, help us as a church, help us as believers, Lord, to stand up for you, that people could look in our lives and see proof. But Lord, I really pray, I do pray, Lord, that there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus. They've never come face to face and humbled their will and their spirit and trusted him as their savior. And God, that today would be the day of salvation for their life. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.